Death summoned Dunsmere home to Tuck's Edge. The loss of the Brother Protector was a tragic blow to the Order of St. Allegius. Yet the call to be the guardian of the orphanage lifted his spirits to heights unseen in years. He delighted in the view. The sun was fat and heavy. Brilliant strings of red tore across the horizon. From atop his war horse, Valiant, Dunsmere took in a deep breath. For a boy who grew up on the cusp of civilization, the western air filled with the scent of prairie and forest would always smell of home. The western sky was somehow wider than back near the mountains. Not as many clouds, perhaps. Whatever the case, the purple and golden expanse gave him comfort. Dunsmere wondered how many times Brother Donegan enjoyed the same sky before his death. Valiant whinnied. Yes, boy, we're getting close. Valiant possessed a keen sense of their surroundings. When Dunsmere performed the ritual to obtain his mount, St. Allegius and Theos filled in the gaps in his paladin's gifts. His duties to the church took him across the Great Isle. Without Valiant, he would have been lost, dying or starving far from civilization. He knew the sun rose in the east and set in the west, and that was the extent of Dunsmere's knowledge of direction. Before the war horse, a map and a guide were always necessary. Once Valiant was his partner, he couldn't get lost if he wanted to. The silhouette of the forest beyond Tuck's edge emphasized the two oil lamps hanging on either side of the gate. Valiant was already charging ahead. Dunsmere's own feelings of excitement spurred the muscle-bound beast forward. The connection the two of them felt was closer than any relationship he had ever had. Almost. Halt! A voice cried from the top of the wooden gate. Baldo! Dunsmere called up. How are you? Keeping the town safe, I see? A head adorned with a dome-shaped helmet appeared over the wall of the gate. Light from the town street lamps shined through the arrow slit the dwarf was manning. Donny! A laugh carried Baldo's voice. Aye, it's me. Come on, give me a hug. Get in here. The large wooden doors to the town opened, and Dunsmere led his warhorse inside. Valiant nuzzled Baldo as he came down the steps to greet them. Valiant, you're still traveling with this old man, are you? The dwarf produced a carrot from his pocket and fed it to the horse. You could have done a little better, my boy. Why don't you come stay with me? I've got a lovely stable and some nice hay. Annabella will keep you nice and fat. No more carrying around this giant lug. I haven't seen you in years, and the first thing you do is hug a horse. Dunsmere hugged the dwarf. Their embrace was tight, as though they were trying to capture the shared memories between them. Without the attention on him, Valiant snorted in frustration. You're staying with me and Annabella, Baldo told Valiant. You too, I guess, Duddy. Well, I've been ordered to Tuck's Edge to live. This isn't a night trip. The church has assigned me to the orphanage. So you stay with us tonight, and you sleep at the orphanage starting tomorrow. Deus knows why you'd sleep there again. We got enough of that as children. Of course, which is why I'm happy to return. Help these children the same way we were helped. Ah, fair enough. Baldo hugged his human brother again. You're coming to dinner. What about your guard post? Baldo pointed at the stripes on his shoulder. Captain, now. I can do whatever I want. Then over his shoulder. Appleton. Sir. 
A human guard called from up on the rampart. Take my post. I'm done for the night. Yes, sir. Baldo and Annabelle's house was nice for Tuck's Edge. Two stories, a chimney, and an oven. Dunsmere delighted in the oven at the Temple of St. Elegis in Kringle Falls. Many nights under the stars were filled with delicious memories of the baked goods coming from that metal miracle. Now, Dunsmere mused, this home would replace those oven memories. The relaxing aroma of cinnamon and nutmeg subdued him upon entry. Dunsmere wished he were in Tuck's Edge to live with his brother. That was just temptation, he reminded himself. Temptation away from Theos to follow the path of evil. Demons would use even the most minute of temptations to pull Theos' followers away from his divine, loving embrace. You've done well for yourself, Baldo. Annabella ladled spiced beef into Dunsmere's wooden bowl. The warmth relaxed his hands. That he has, Annabella said. A pride-filled smile spread across her face. Now stop that, Baldo said. This isn't from me. Even for a captain of the guard, this house is beyond my salary. This, this is all Annabella, this is. Annabella smiled. Her cheeks deepened a dark red, drawing the green out in her eyes. As gnomes went, she was a pretty woman. She commanded a strength which made it hard for Dunsmere to take his eyes from her. Even growing up, they all knew she would be a success. Her presence demanded it. He was shocked that she would have any interest in Baldo, however. I recognized an opportunity. She was almost coy. Come on, love. Tell him how brilliant you are. She met up with this old man, uh, Abernathy, and he set up this trade with her. He even paid for her merchant license, so now she's on the council. The smokable's all the rage. Yeah, it would do well, Annabella said. I wish I could take credit for it, but it's the plant. It's so popular. As long as the supply keeps coming in, there's no end in sight. Dunsmere lifted his mug of beer to his lips. A merchant? Don't get started with that, Baldo said. No one's got time for your philosophy on the evils of coins, Donny. Dunsmere forced a smile and held up his mug high. To your never-ending success. He hoped it sounded genuine, and to some extent it was. Dunsmere prayed that all his brothers and sisters lived easy lives. Baldo was right as well. Regardless of his convictions, neither he nor Annabella needed a sermon from Dunsmere right now. It may not be never-ending, sadly, Annabella said. Bella, Baldo said. His tone let Dunsmere know that this was a well-trod path. Don't condescend to me, Baldo. I'm not condescending, love. I just can't imagine that Dunsmere really wants... We'll never know unless we tell him, now will we? With a roll of his eyes, Baldo signaled a begrudging defeat. So there's been some issues with the western wildlands of late, Annabella said. Elves? Dunsmere asked. Of course, but that's not abnormal. There's something strange happening in the deep forest. We've seen a large number of wildland creatures come to us. Those that never would before. Even some of the Red Leaf Grove Druids have come to reside here in the Edge. The Red Leaf Druids detest everything about our way of life. Annabella looked at Baldo with a raised eyebrow. 
I see even your brother is not immune to humans explaining everything to us lesser creatures. Baldo lifted his palms in the air as if there was nothing to be done with Thunsmere's race. Of course they do, dear Paladin, Annabella continued. That's why it's so strange that they would come to us for sanctuary. And our mayor, Justin Finn, in his infinite wisdom, refuses to do anything to increase security in the area for us merchants. Those of us on the council are in constant war with him over the protection. Now, dear, Mayor Finn is a good man, and he has financial concerns that he has his head up his ass, and that's everyone's concern. The husband and wife stared at each other with a frustration so thick, Dunsmere feared it might smother him. Baldo turned and smiled at Dunsmere, as if just remembering the paladin was in their home. We apologize for that, Dunny, Baldo said. It's a common argument between us. An important one. But we are sorry for getting to it in front of you. I'm sure you're used to much better manners out eastward. More civilized society, I'm sure, Annabella said. Nothing to worry about, Dunsmere said. Just happy to be with family in a lovely home with a warm meal in my belly. The tension lessened, but vestiges stunk up the air like rotten fish. But as far as it being more civilized eastward, that I'm not so sure of. Sure, in Kalendor they think they're more civilized, but their heads are in a similar position to that of your mayor. Now, let me tell you the tale of the time I played poker with an Etten while traveling with a circus. The town of Tuck's Edge wasn't the small colony Dunsmere grew up in. The walls expanded beyond the boundaries of his youth. The sparse settlement had grown by half and was now to the point of bursting. The streets were bustling and lively in a way the Paladin never experienced in his first 12 years. Compared to the market in Kalendor, this addition to Tuck's Edge society was small and underdeveloped. But compared to the barren streets he and Baldo ran as children, it was so full it seemed pregnant. The bell tower still marked the spot of the orphanage and the temple of St. Allegis. Though without Valiant, he had to admit, he probably still wouldn't have found his way. Home sweet home. Dunsmere muttered. In his absence, the orphanage grew with the town. The temple made up the main building. Like all temples of St. Allegis, it was built from stone. As a child, Dunsmere found it to be the most magnificent structure imaginable. Now, it was clearly a frontier make. The stonework was shabby compared to the cathedral in Kringle Falls. There was no stained glass, but a simple carving of St. Allegis' symbol, a hammer, striking an anvil. Four buildings made of wood were where the children slept. There were two when he was a child, one for each sex, respectively. He could still smell the odd mix of body odor and moldy wood. There had only been five boys at the time, but the smell they all generated was enough to gag a lich. There were no windows, and the dampness never really left the building. He walked up the three steps to the front door. The wood was smooth, well-fashioned, and designed with the care of a true artisan. It stood in contrast to the shabbily constructed temple. Inside was a simple cathedral. The anvil up on the dais was the focal point for the room. Two rows of pews on either side. Dunsmere couldn't help but appreciate the craftsmanship with which they were made. Beautiful in their simplicity. He sat down at the pew in the back as he had so often as a boy. 
The scent of the building washed over him like a warm bath, and he was comforted in a way he hadn't been in so long. He closed his eyes and let himself get lost in nostalgia. Even in an empty cathedral, you still sit in the back, I see, a woman said. Dunsmere's heart stopped for a moment as his stomach clenched with fear and excitement. She smelled of lilacs, a smell he'd missed for too long. Charleur, he said, a smile spread across his lips as he spoke. Mother, Charleur, she corrected. Dunsmere opened his eyes to see Mother Charleur looking down at him. Her thick chestnut hair framed her dark green face. Hazel eyes looked down at him, teleporting him through time to their youth. Her lashes were short, the bane of her existence, she said. But Dunsmere relished seeing them again. Her smile showed the small tusks of her orcish ancestors. Her human ancestors blessed her with high cheekbones and a sharp nose. Both sets of ancestors left her with a beauty Dunsmere dreamed of. I stand corrected, mother. It's good to see that the East has left you whole. She ran her fingers over his head. Though, maybe a yeti scalped the back of your head? <laughs> How dare you? How dare whoever stole your hair? Charlure grabbed the front of his robe and pulled him to her lips. He took in her smell and was lost in a mixture of sensation and memory. He pulled her down on top of his lap. Sacred space be damned. St. Allegius wasn't exactly known for being a prude. Forgiveness was a major tenet of their faith. Small dalliance in the sanctuary was something that the saint and Theos would look past, Dunsmere was sure. They were interrupted by an outburst of laughter from a small group of children. Dunsmere figured their ages to be around seven or eight. The hodgepodge of clothing, which had clearly been retailored to fit their sizes over the years, was a familiar sight. Mother Charlure, a small blonde gnome asked, is that your husband? This question brought up another round of laughter from the children. Not my husband, Alice, Mother Charlure said as she stood up. Dunsmere noticed that her cheeks were a deeper shade of green. Just an old friend. Dunsmere smiled at the children and jumped up. I'm actually Brother Dunsmere. The Order assigned me to assist Mother Charlure. Are you a paladin? The halfling boy asked. Here to replace Brother Dunnigan? This stopped Dunsmere for a moment. Of course the children would know. They were young, not stupid. Still, he didn't want to dwell on what could be a horrible memory for these children. I am. What's your name? He walked over to the group and knelt in front of them. A small sandy-haired halfling boy looked up at him with curious eyes. Kirkin, there was no pause. Can I hold your sword? Dunsmere laughed. You're a forward guy, aren't you? Unfortunately not. But I was once a child here at the orphanage too, so one day a sword like this could be yours. Halflings aren't fit for fighting, the girl Alice said. How would he even lift a sword? There was some laughter from other children. Gherkin's eyes went to the ground, ashamed. Alice, Mother Charlure said, that's five Theos piece and ten Forger's chance. Ten, Alice protested. I didn't say nothing that wasn't true. Now that's absolutely not true, young lady, Dunsmere said. Why, the Archbishop himself was telling me of a fine young halfling who has just been trained as a paladin of St. Allegius himself. Best in his class, they say. He couldn't remember the boy's name, only that he was known to be peculiar, that he was a dwarf. Still, good paladin was always appreciated. 
Now, Kirkin, you want to see what you can do with a sword once you become a paladin? Yes! The boy clapped his hands as the excitement overtook him. Dunsmere stepped back and with a flourish he pulled out his sword. A few more quick swings, jabs, and parries, which would have been ineffective on the battlefield, but looked pretty. They had the desired effect and brought some clapping and cheers from the children. Now, children, Mother Charlore said, I believe it's time for morning prayers, and Brother Dunsmere should know that brandishing a sword is not permitted in the sanctuary. Kissing isn't either, Alice said. The children burst out into more laughter. All right, all right, enough. Do you want another five forgers' chance as penance, Alice? No, ma'am. Alice lowered her head. Then you make your way to the anvil, all of you. As the children made their way to the front of the sanctuary, she grabbed Dunsmere's shoulders. After morning prayers, we need to talk. I didn't assume I'd been sent out here because of my child-rearing skills. Clearly not. What was with that sword dancing? That was ridiculous. Dunsmere shrugged. Eh, the kids loved it. Charlotte laughed. You were definitely not called here for your child-rearing skills. The bed in Charlotte's cell was much larger and more comfortable than the one in Dunsmere's. This is nice, Dunsmere said. He buried his head in her hair and inhaled her smell again. So you're still like that, Charlotte said. Dunsmere raised an eyebrow. You mean romantic? If by romantic you mean soft, then yeah. Oh, have you know that I'm a paladin of renown, Mother Charlure. I killed the necromancer of the Blazing Tower. Ho 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 ho! I killed the necromancer. You and Baldo just mopped up the zombies. Not according to the bards and Kalindor. Oh, really? And where did they get that idea? Dunsmere embodied false bewilderment. Some great soul interested in preserving truth, I'd wager. You're such a bastard. She kissed him again. There's a bottle of wine on my nightstand. So I should get it? Yes, of course. She paused and gave him a look of playful exasperation. Did you think I was just pointing out items I own? Chuckling, Dunsmere got up and grabbed the bottle. No cups? Drink from the bottle. Stop being such a soft human. Dunsmere took a long pull from the bottle. The wine was heavy and had a strong oak taste. So tell me, hard old priestess, what is the situation here? Charlure took a deep swig. Dunsmere was both enchanted and comforted by her. Since their time as young adepts at the temple in Kringle Falls, her presence filled him with a sense of home. You saw the children, she said. She wiped some red wine droplets off her dark green lips. More and more of them are coming from the western wildlands. Some coming in groups. Others we've happened to come across while hunting or gathering wood. We found some out there who weren't so lucky. Any idea on what's going on? We've heard rumors of some kind of soldiers attacking the people of the wildlands. The kids have stories of monsters and dragons and demons who've killed their parents and their family. And they're consistent? For the most part, there's something in the woods that even has the druids worried. Some of these children are from the groves out there. You know that they would never send their children to us unless there was something they feared more than the queen or the church. Brother Dunnigan went out into the wildlands after the last group of children came in. That group you met in the sanctuary earlier, actually. They come from a grove called Golden Moss. Not sure what happened. 
but they've only started talking regularly over the past month. When they arrived, they were covered in blood and wide-eyed. Only Alice seemed to have her wits about her. No question, she led them through some sort of hell to get here. She gave Dunnigan some clues then? Charlure nodded. She looked down at the stone floor of the cell before taking another large pull from the wine. Dunsmer saw a pain in her eyes. It was a pain she didn't want him to see. It was a pain he was jealous of, even though he knew such jealousy was trivial and stupid. It had been years since they saw each other. Charlure and he had no bond, no marriage. Yet, there the jealousy was, burning in his stomach. He was jealous of a dead man. Dunsmere felt like an ass. A jealous ass. Dunnigan left with Brother Den and a couple of Baldo's guards who were aching for a fight. We never heard from them again. That was almost two months ago. Dunsmere put his hand on her shoulder. He tried to massage away the tension. Instead, she flexed her muscles and became a brick wall. Charlure held up a hand quickly. Stop. Her voice was sharp, and then a little more softly. Thank you, but it's not. Right now, it, it isn't. She took another mouthful of wine. It might be best if you head back to your cell. I just need some time for prayer. Valiant led Dunsmere through Tuck's Edge as if they never left and the town had not grown. The sun beat down on him. The heat he was used to. The humidity turned his robes into a stifling blanket, clinging to his every pore. He had forgotten how wet the West was. How did people live like this? Had he really pined to come back here? The market was lively despite the moisture in the air. Though he'd been told many times, the number of druids in this town still surprised Dunsmere. From what he saw, the druids swiftly became part of Thalmer culture. Though many of the groves rejected money, he heard druids bartering like Kalindor merchants. This rejection of coin to focus on divine interaction was something Dunsmere found fascinating and aspirational. It was just a shame the druids worshipped a false god. Maybe they would soon take to Theos as they took to coin. Rabbit's holy one, fresh caught, the barker called, pulling Dunsmere out of his thoughts. A cacophony of barker's cries followed the first. Cabbages, five for a silver. One for seven. Garum, good priest, a voice called. This caught his attention. Garum was his favorite sauce as a child. The tangy, salty sauce was made from the fish of the Column River, which ran through the southern city of Ephawir. As an orphan, he would buy it with the small allowance older orphans were allowed. He rationed out the small bottles to last for months. I haven't had garum in years. How much for a bottle? Two gold. Two gold? That's insane. It was five coppers when I was a boy. Times change, good priest, the goblin said. You've got the red hand making trouble around Ephawir. Everywhere, really. Then there are the demons, though some say they're not demons, raiding every caravaner they see. Dunsmere looked into the caravaner's eyes, searching for any kind of lies. But they just held the faux friendliness of a salesperson. This talk of demons made the paladin suspicious. Normal claims of demons he encountered over his travels always revealed themselves to be large, rare creatures, or a town scared by a clan of unknown kobolds. Don't believe me, the goblin said with almost a laugh. 
You talk to anyone around here who trades in Ethelweir. All us caravaners seen them. Or at least heard them in the woods at night. Makes some of us consider sticking around Ethelweir. Roads ain't safe. Just need to get enough silver to buy a merchant's license so I can sell more than one day a week. Then I can make Tux Edge my home. Are these demons similar to what the druids saw in the western wildlands? Can't tell you that for sure, good priest. Those druids aren't the type to exactly be friendly. They come, they barter, always aggressively, and then they stick to themselves. Speaking of good prices, one gold for the bottle. Is there an inn the druids stay at? One gold, seven silver. Not an inn. They all congregate around that willow tree on the western wall. Bunch of blankets and some tents. They are not friendly. Especially not to a priest of Theos. No, no offense intended. None taken. One gold, five silver. Final offer. The goblin stuck out his hand. Dunsmere took it and shook, agreeing to the price. What's your name, friend? Tapper, Grendrak. I appreciate the knowledge and the garum. He handed the goblin the coins he owed and made his way to the western wall. The large willow tree once stood outside the wall. Dunsmere and Baldo would use its limbs to climb out at night, do some hunting. The wall's expansion was another reminder of how long he'd been away. Though, it was clear this wall was put up with haste. It didn't have the care and craftsmanship of a community who was interested in repelling a military force of any kind. It was an illusion of security, he knew. For most people, that was enough. It allowed them to sleep, work, and trade. For a soldier of Theos who had been on either side of a siege, Dunsmere was concerned. The druids stared at him as he rode up on Valiant. Their eyes were focused and held the wildness of the nature they revered. Tapper undersold their hatred of him, though. Their simmering hate leaped from their eyes and made his skin crawl. Dunsmere wished he had his armor on at the moment. He knew it was best that he did not wear his plate, as it would send the wrong message. Still, if they had the power to kill with a look, Dunsmere would have been destroyed in that moment. Hello, friends, he said after dismounting. There were a few nods of recognition, but no one spoke. I apologize for barging in here, but I wanted to introduce myself. My name is Brother Dunsmere. I'm a paladin with the church. Since we're housing a number of your children, or the children of your grove, I, I thought it would be best if I introduced myself. They said nothing to him. If they had been somewhat friendly, the situation would have been awkward. This was too threatening to be awkward. Not ours, a woman said. Her dark skin was tattooed with intricate patterns, which Dunsmere recognized as magical wards. Our children are dead. The demons killed them. Can you tell me more about these demons? They came, they killed our children, and burned our grove. They used the bodies of our children as fuel for their fires. There is not much more to tell. She was a strong one. He smiled and tried his best charm. As a younger man, most women would have swooned at his smile. Now, with the balding head and the gray in his beard, it was less effective. Well, if you ever need anything, feel free to let me know. They stood and said nothing as he rode off. It makes no sense, Tunsmere said to Mother Charlure. They were watching the children play in the large yard of the orphanage. They don't seem to care about the druid children here. I always thought the druids were very communal. Most are. But there was some kind of rift between a couple of the groves. The 
Golden Moss Grove has no adults alive as far as we know. They had some kind of rift with the Red Leaf Grove. And that's who you spoke with. If the children knew what the rift is, they haven't told us. But I don't think most understood the situation. I'm happy the little ones are in our fold now. Obviously, it's better for them to be learning the truth of Pharos through the teachings of St. Eligius than their paganism. Still, it concerns me. The new walls seem to be more for show than repelling any kind of attack from demons. This kind of rivalry between the Druids doesn't help. Harmony in any community is a myth. You know that. Even among those of us who follow St. Eligius, how many arguments have there been? Theos knows you've been to Kringle Falls to speak with Archbishop Joyce about your actions and whether or not they aligned with church teachings. So you're saying that it's not worth investigating? You have a knack for creating problems where there aren't any Dunsmere. The threat in the western wildlands is real, and in times of strife, the Red Leaf Grove will come to our aid. I have no doubt. Your faith in people surpasses mine. It's not faith, but they're not stupid. They came to us for protection. I know that they see us as a necessary evil to survive. They will do everything they can to keep us alive as long as we keep them alive. So don't go digging into anything that doesn't need dug into. You're just going to widen the cracks already there. Dunsmere ignored her statement and made his way to Kirkin, who was wrestling with a few of the other boys. I see some things haven't changed, she called after him. She was right, of course. He had no problem running into a cave filled with goblins or battling cultists, but continuing an argument where he wasn't winning was hard to face. Kirkin, he called. The halfling boy was locked in a sloppy grapple with the tiefling boy on Kirkin's chest, ready to strike with his fists. The tiefling stopped as Dunsmere spoke. You, what's your name? We were just playing, the tiefling said. His deep red skin was turning purple with fear. We really were, brother, Kirkin said from the ground. I have no doubt about that. What's your name, son? Carling Burr, sir. Carling Burr. I'm Brother Dunsmere. Now, Carling, let me show you how to take control of a fight from Kirkin's losing position. I learned this in Solgreen from a monk. She used it on me first, then showed me how to do it. Dunsmere dove into showing the kids a few hand-to-hand -hand combat tactics. He looked over to see Charlore smiling in approval at him after a few minutes. Dunsmere hoped that meant their conversation wouldn't be revisited. Later that night, the conversation wasn't revisited, but he also slept in his own cell, alone and unfulfilled. As death approached Tuck's edge, Dunsmere fell asleep, unaware of the pain in store for him. Thanks for listening to What Happened at Tuck's Edge, Part 1. I hope you enjoyed this first part of, of this series. Um, this is a lot of fun for me to write this all out because uh, Tuck's Edge was actually the first town I created for Beholder's Eye. The original plan was after our first three episodes, they'd actually defeat the cultists and then they'd be sent out to Tuck's Edge and the adventures would really start from there. But they uh, died instead so <laughs> that changed the course of everything um so yeah this whole piece is definitely something of an indulgence for me so i hope it's one that you enjoy as well thanks again for your patronage
What Happened at Tuck's Edge, Part 1. Written, performed, and edited by Alexander Floyd. Music from filmmusic.io. Lost Frontier, Minstrel's Guild, Heartfelt, Magic Forest, Master of the Feast, Shamanistic, The Escalation, Some Amount of Evil, Our Story Begins. All by Kevin McLeod in Competech.com. License under Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 licenses. CreativeCommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash buy forward slash 4.0. 